Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. And as we turn to the scriptures, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Lord, open our heart to receive your word. Help us to see you again in new ways, from new perspectives, and to know and to trust that you are Lord of all and speaking to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 67, verses 1 through 5. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. And from Matthew 28, beginning at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, there are only a few times in my life where I felt like I was truly standing on on sacred ground, just standing on holy ground. Um, I'd, name, I'd name Arlington National Cemetery. And uh, I, would name, I would name Westminster Abbey in London. And, uh, and this one might sound odd, but I would actually name the place where Constantine was named Emperor of Rome, which is actually in York in the UK. And such a profound change in history that way. But one of them, one of them was on July, 5th, July 8th, 2011, and I was standing at a gravesite in Kikuyu, Kenya, over a stone marking the grave of Reverend Thomas and Minnie Watson, Tom Watson and his wife Minnie. Thomas Watson was among six men sent by the Presbyterian Church from Scotland to Kenya in 1891 to open up the first mission to East Africa. And he worked for about eight years all along the rail lines that run from Mombasa as they were building the railroad from Mombasa to Nairobi. And in 1899, the railroad made it to Kikuyu, a small town outside of Nairobi, and Tom was finally able to bring his fiancée, Minnie, to Africa. And after eight years, they were married in 1899 in Mombasa as soon as, as Minnie got off the boat. And together they rode the train up to the mission where they found a land devastated by drought, by an infestation and invasion of locusts, and by smallpox. And Minnie, pictured here, 
She immediately began a camp to relieve the pains of those who were suffering, and she began a school for both boys and girls, which was controversial. And as she ministered among all these people, she began to be known as the Lady of the Camps. On December 4th, 1900, just two weeks before their first anniversary, Thomas Watson died of pneumonia. Many uh, stayed and continued on. She cared for the mission alone for over a year before the church was able to send a replacement for Tom named Raphael Scott. And then when he arrived, she stayed on for over 30 more years. And she worked among the people there and built the church. And as I stood looking down on the memorial, behind me stood a small ten-structure church. Here's a picture. It's called the Church of the Torch. It had been prefabricated in Scotland and shipped over in pieces. It's the white one, the small white one on the left there. And when it was reconstructed in that spot, it was the first structure, the first permanent church structure erected by Presbyterians in East Africa. And they called it the Church of the Torch. And it took years to see the first convert baptized in the walls of that church. But in front of me, as that church was behind me, in front of me there stood a new church building, and it's pictured there a thousand-seat Gothic stone cathedral serving over 3,000 members. And that's just one church of the now four million member Presbyterian Church of East Africa and growing rapidly. And behind that began a system of multiple private and public schools serving boys and girls with some of the finest education in Kenya. Most of the presidents and government leaders of Kenya are educated out of that area. And a little further on was, a, was Presbyterian Hospital that's present there and established in 1908. It was the first hospital to bring x-rays to East Africa. And down the road from that is Presbyterian University serving 1,700 undergraduates, many headed into ministry. And around the corner and down a small hill from that, you find Kikuyu Orthopedic Rehab Center, one of the most innovative eye clinics and prosthetic limb clinics in the entire continent of Africa. And, and, and down the road from that, if you kept going, you'd find a a block of eight toilets in a self-standing building with running water and a plaque out in front with my name on it. <laughs> That's the truth. So someday I'll tell you the story about how Tim got a toilet named after him <laughs> in Kenya. But that's a story for another time. It would not be an exaggeration to say that the development of the nation of Kenya, its educational systems, its health systems, its government, its economy, would not have come into being apart from the influence of these institutions that I've just named. And the church in Kikuyu and the ministry of Reverend Thomas and Minnie Watson whose gravestone and remains I was standing over. But do you know what I realized as I stood there? Do you know what? As I looked down over that spot, over that soil, I realized they didn't come to help build a nation. 
They didn't come to build a hospital, although that happened. They didn't come over to create a university or to start a school or to improve agriculture. They didn't come to combat abuse of young girls or change the rate of education or economic participation among women. They didn't come to do those things, although all those things happened. Why did they come? They came to share Jesus with a people who did not yet know him. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and therefore go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Friends, it's no mystery what we're supposed to be about. It's no, there's no, you know, quiz to this. Jesus was very clear, church, this is our mission. Jesus said very clearly, go and make disciples. Now, the church is a a body of people gathered around Jesus to worship Him. And we have to be what the church is before we can do what the church does. And the church is a worshiping body, reflecting, proclaiming, enjoying the presence of God to His glory. But then the church goes. When the church is what it is, it can do what it does. And the church then goes goes, it does something, it activates, it has a mission, and that mission is to make disciples. And make them out of what? We make them out of (laughs) non-disciples. That's the mission, to make people to know and follow Jesus who do not presently know and follow Jesus. That's the mission of the church. And it happens when we go to all nations. The word here is ethne. It's where we get ethnicity. It's not uh, countries. It's it's all peoples, all groups of people, all different types of people. You go to them. Some of them are the same as you. Some of them are a lot like you. But many, maybe even most, are entirely different from you. And you go to them as representatives of the Jesus that you love. You go to them. Now, those people who are different from you, they might be around the world or they might be right down the street, but you go to them. And you baptize them. Well, not you. I mean, you could. Well, don't do that. Bring them, you know. We'll baptize them in church. But what's that, what is that on your shoulders? What's the commission, the great commission on every believer when Jesus says, go and baptize them in the name of the Father? Well, that's talking about conversion. You're going to help them to come to Christ. You're going to help people who don't know Jesus to know Jesus. And their lives are going to be different. They're going to convert. Now, that's a word that people are not too comfortable with these days. It means you're going to help them enter a relationship with Jesus Christ where they give their lives to Jesus for eternal salvation when once they didn't know his name at all. And now they know and love him. When once they knew nothing of his promises, nothing of his grace and love, now they're awash in the love and the grace of God and his promises and blessings. It's conversion. You make disciples. It happens by going 
It happens by baptizing, by helping people to convert, and it happens by teaching. Jesus said, teach them. And he said, teach them to obey all I have commanded you. Well, that's not just content. That's teaching people to live their life in a certain way, teaching them to obey. That's life coaching. That's how we make disciples. The mission is to make disciples of all people. That could mean taking a ship across the sea to a foreign land. But it could also mean building a fence in the school in your neighborhood. Making a new friendship right here in Colorado Springs with someone that you didn't know before. It could mean doing just what we were doing yesterday in CityServe, loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor with no strings attached. Building a relationship of trust with hopes that that one day in this relationship there may be a way to talk about the Jesus that you love. Or if not you, maybe it'll just be a heart a little bit more open. Make disciples out of non-disciples. But I think we hesitate. I think we, we, we stutter a bit. We wonder sometimes if everyone needs to know Jesus. Maybe the people around us, maybe they're just fine without the Lord. Whether it's the neighbor down the street or the the Kenyan or the Mongolian or the Korean, we wonder, is someone better or worse for knowing Jesus? And somehow we stop. Listen, Jesus sends us out with great confidence. In Psalm 67, we read, He is good, and that means He's good for all. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. There's no hint of concern there. We get worried that we're, we're foisting our culture on others. We're foisting our religion on others. Jesus doesn't see it that way. God is a God for all people. Listen now. There is not a human being on this planet that doesn't need Jesus. There is not a human being on this planet that doesn't need Jesus. And... There is not a people group on this earth who would not be more authentically themselves for knowing and loving Jesus. The Thomas and and, and many, they didn't go to make people Scottish. They went to make people to know Jesus. And now a beautiful expression of the church is born. He is truly Lord of all nations. Outside the halls are tables from Compassion. And Compassion works with kids around the world who live on less than $2 a day to release them from poverty through development in four areas. Four areas, cognitive, social, physical, and spiritual. They base their work on Luke 2.52 that talks about how Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And I had the privilege of traveling this year and seeing their work in Peru. And some of you would remember this story, but I want to just share it again this morning. 
Because when I was in Peru, I met a young woman working for Compassion in the office in Lima. Her name is Adela. And she grew up in extreme poverty outside the city. When she was eight years old, she contracted a skin disease, something that you and I would easily go to the doctor and take care of. But her family had no money for the medicine. They had no money for the trip to see a doctor, and the skin disease grew and grew, and it became more and more painful and uncomfortable, and eventually all of her hair fell out. And she said to us as she told her story, I asked God at that time, I prayed to God, if I could please die. Right then, she was given a partnership through compassion with a woman in New Jersey, and she received a letter about God's love. She also received nutrition, medicine, education, and the gospel. And she responded, giving her life to Christ, and she grew to a healthy, mature young lady following Jesus. And she works in the central office of Compassion in Lima, sponsoring the, uh, processing the sponsor letters for the 80,000 Compassion kids in the country of Peru. And at the end of her story, Adela turned to us and she smiled to tell us, now I have my own Compassion child. His name is Emmanuel a boy in Kenya. From the chains of dehumanizing poverty where uh, with she had not the resources to care even for her own basic needs, she is now part of ministering to a nation of children and one very special boy. First Pres has about 600 compassion partnerships that we know about within the body of our church, and over a hundred of those are in Guatemala, and we're seeking as a church to, to raise up that partnership in Guatemala with more force. In fact, we're sending a team again this month to Guatemala, and we're building a partnership there. So if you have a, a heart to participate, on the compassion tables outside in the narthex and in the plaza, there are packets that will tell you about some little girl or some little boy in Guatemala that you could have a relationship with. It's just one more easy way to participate in the rule and the reign of Christ joyfully breaking out around the world in places of need. So as we turn to the table this morning in just a few minutes, we recognize that we come to a table that is hosted by Jesus Christ the head who is Lord of all all nations. He's Lord of all nations. Jesus speaks every language. He knows every custom, every culture. He dances all the dances. He eats all the eats. There is no country where Jesus Christ is a foreigner. There's no custom or culture in which he is out of place. He's Lord of all nations. And there is no person on earth who doesn't need Jesus or who would not thrive to follow him as Lord. And so around the table today, this table, what's fun is this table extends 
right around the world as Christians gather for World Communion Sunday in all kinds of different languages and contexts, and we celebrate together. On that memorial plaque, that memorial stone for Reverend Tom Watson and his wife, Minnie, who died years later in Scotland and had her remains, her wishes were that her remains would be returned to be beside her husband, Tom. On the stone that's over there, remains, there are two sentences written in the Kikuyu language. I stared at them a long time, but I can't read Kikuyu. But the church secretary was gracious to walk out with me and, and translate. One was a Bible verse. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. John twelve twenty four. And I could see all the seeds and all the fruit from that sacrifice of those two lives given over to Jesus. I could see all the fruit. And, and it was written, you see, it wasn't written in Latin. It wasn't written in Greek. It wasn't written in English. It was written in Kikuyu. And for Jesus, it was as good as his native tongue. Do you follow? He's Lord of all nations. And he belongs. He belongs. The second sentence was, Aria marahire utheri wangai kikuyu. See, choir, I can keep up. I can. <laughs> I asked the secretary of the church, what on earth does that mean? And she said, it reads, they brought the light of God to the Kikuyu people. They brought the light of God. Where will you bring the light of God? Lord, today is a day where we get to see you in ways that we we don't think about, we don't Remember that you're at home with every people in all the world. You're Lord of all the nations. And Lord, have mercy on this, your church, as we gather and are fed and nourished at your table. Lord, in your mercy, do not allow that first prez or any of the believers gathered here would become a dead end on the Great Commission Highway. Lord, flow straight through us, bringing your light and life to those around us, to the city we know, and to the city of God that you are building and creating of every people and every nation and every custom and culture. And Lord, it is all to your glory. And we sing your praise, the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. And the people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.